Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running the 5e hardcover adventure Scarlet Citadel. This work, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to a monthly Q&A, a dedicated Discord server, the City of Arches Sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a whole bunch of exclusive adventures, and a whole lot more. But most of all, the patrons helping me put on shows like this. Patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your outstanding support. We are closing in. We're getting closer to the end of our Scarlet Citadel game. We had a major, some major stuff that happened last last session. It was really, boy, it was, there was like, it was really fun. It was a really cool, a cool circumstance and situation. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about like situation-based rpg scenes and 5e scenes versus like plot driven or encounter driven encounter driven games so because that that kind of came up both one was a very situation based situation and the other one was one where i tried to drive like a particular encounter and i feel like i pushed too hard and we're going to talk about both of those things so in our last session the very first thing that happened is the characters had teleported back to the city of red tower and they thought that they would go and have a nice rest in their little hidden temple. And then it turned out that the main villain, Gellert the Gruesome, had found their temple because they were storing these icosahedrons down there. And he was like, I'm going to go take those and I'm going to go fix this big hole that I created down in the bottom. But like, it wasn't really like I created. It was like this whole form. I was just doing my thing, channeling incredible amounts of energy. And then this rift in the open, the space time opened. And now there's a hole in the world and it's getting exponentially bigger. And if I don't stop it soon, it's going to eat the whole planet. But maybe I'll just get out of here. And his first plan was just to leave because he's really a coward who takes no responsibility. Like the archetype for Gellert the Gruesome is he's a coward who takes no responsibility for his own actions. He thinks he controls his own fate. Any problem is someone else's fault. We, we, We know people like this. We've seen people like this. So very egocentric guy. And at first he's like, I'm just going to grab my stuff and leave. And I'm going to go somewhere else. And then he realized, oh, wait, I can go get the icosahedrons. Why don't I go do that? And then I can go down there and save the day from this terrible thing that has happened that I caused. So he was going to go and take it. So he was arguing with the characters. And it was like, I, and I made it clear to them, like, like, he's not even paying attention to you at all. He's like just talking and he's like, you know, noodling through and he treats you like your little ants. And he just, you know, he's just going to take the icosahedrons. But he also wants to like show off to them and tell them stuff. So they're talking to him and he's talking to them and he not talking to them. He's talking over them. He's like never making eye contact with them. He's just looking. And that meant they could do all kinds of deception checks about stuff they were doing. And they're like, why don't we grab the icosahedrons? Like, we don't want to fight this guy because last time he like hit us with a cone of and it knocked us on all in our asses so we probably don't want to just fight him head on he also has a big clay golem and so we're going to we are going i just had a really funny idea so we're going to go to we're going to grab the icosahedrons and we're going to teleport away and go back down into the scarlet citadel with the icosahedrons so we will have two of them we're working on the third and we know where the fourth is and I, and they got away with it. And he like he managed. I I rolled initiative on it, or I did something that was like who got ahead of him and who didn't. And he managed to like hurl as a crazy blast and hit everybody for a ton of damage. And I think it like knocked two of them out on their way. And they teleported to the other side, and they were all beat up and like unconscious. And like God, that guy sucks. We hate him. Then they were like, okay, well, what do we do now? So they, I think they took a short rest. 
or no, they went to the mushroom grove and the mushrooms like, yeah, you're free to stay here. So they had, they took a long rest in the mushroom grove, but they, they, they realized that like, Hey, that thing that's growing beneath Scarlet Citadel is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually we're not going to be able to take more rests. And I, I'm, I don't know how to exactly to use that, but I'm, I think, I think we're going to use that to kind of limit their rests. They did. So then they said, let's go after the Shogoth. And they went after the Shogoth. I can, I can actually bring up my Albert Rodeo. So they took the boat with, with Mal Karen. They, they, Mal Karen is, so Karen, the boatman, the big Grim Reaper, only it's actually a flesh golem who looks like him. So they call him Mal Karen, which I, I, I never, never ceases to amuse me. And they, they took the boat. They said, take us to the Shogoth. And it went there and they fought a couple of these like deep ones on their way in. And then, then they're making their way through. And when they got to the door, I said like deep one, like many, many deep ones come out of the water and they're like move slowly moving towards you. And like one of the deep ones that they fought that ran away, like killed themselves right at the door. And they're like, what's on the other side of this door? And they went in. I'm like, the deep ones are coming. And they're like, well, we're going to fireball them and stuff. And I was like, you just fought four of these guys. And it was really hard. And now there's like 12 of them. I was trying to get the impression, like, get your ass in the room, right? Like, these are, I, I'm always thinking about, like, how do you keep people out of a stupid hallway? Because characters just love to hug hallway doors. They just don't like going in rooms. So what's the way to, like, get into the room, go? And it's like, you can do poison gas, you can do, like, fireballs, you can have, like, other monsters. I've, I've had to do this in a lot of games recently of, like, artificial ways to get the characters into the stupid room. And in this case, I thought armies of deep ones would be a way to do it. But they're going to waste their time, like, they were going to sneak up in the upper corner. Corner. they're gonna do all I found them, like you get the feeling that the deep ones are 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 shepherding you into the room and if you don't do so you're going to be quickly overwhelmed right i had to like just get into the stupid room that is one where you're like maybe it would have been better to make it more situational and have a bunch of deep ones that are kind of coming out of the water they're moving slowly but also let the characters decide how they want to approach the situation with a shogoth it probably would have taken longer it you know, it, it was certainly less of a, you know, railroady, like get your ass into that room. But thinking about it, it's like, well, that does go against sort of situational based things where you describe like, hey, here's this temple. Here's a bunch of deep ones. You know, the Shogoth is inside. Your goal is that you got to defeat the Shogoth. You get to decide how you're going to do it. And maybe it would have ended up similar, but I know I would have had somebody who's sneaking and hiding and, and hanging up in the shadows and trying to stay away from every, every anything that can hit them. And then I got to think about like, well, how do you, you know, what are the ways that the deep ones could put a threat on these characters or do we just not bother and that people could do it? So, you know, yeah. And Rangdo of Hard brings up a good point, which is sometimes you do need to shove them forward because the fun is that, right? I've talked about this with other DMs who are both players and DMs. And it's like, it's really interesting sometimes that players grab gravitate towards actions that are actually the boring ones. An example is like, if you could tell, if you could give a character a plus three suit of plate armor and a plus three shield, and the shield can cast the shield spell three times a day, they'd be like, this is the most powerful thing ever. This is totally awesome. I love it. And then you, they never get hit. And they're like, this game's boring right? <laughs> it's because they have an AC at 35. Nothing ever hits them. If there's no threat against their character, they're bored, right? That's boring. And, you know, of course there are other ways you can hit them with other things, but then they feel cheated because like, how come I'm always getting hit with wisdom saving throws after having an AC at 35? You're just nerfing me because of my AC at 35. So there's, it's, it's difficult. And, and it's like, you're going to have more fun if you go into the room and fight the Shogoth and you're going to be bored if you're hiding in the corner and and running around and kiting the kiting the shogoth all over the place 
that's no, that's not going to be fun either. So that's, that's, you know, there's a situation we have to deal with. And that's probably, you know, there's probably deeper, deeper study that needs to go into that idea that sometimes the players actually gravitate because they're doing what their characters are doing. Their characters don't want to be in dangerous situations, but the danger is the fun part. So that's a, that's a difficult thing. Anyway, they did go into the room. They fought the Shogoth. It was really hard. And they were down sometimes, they're up sometimes. They killed the high priest. They killed the Shogoth, at which point, somewhere else in the dungeon, the icosahedron went wham and slammed together and now is sealed. And they're going to feel a big crack. And I think they're going to go outside and they're going to see that all of the deep ones are dead and desiccated like they have been dead there for a hundred years and their bodies will just fall apart. I think that feels cool to me that somehow these deep ones were tied to the connection of the ley line that was bound to the Shogoth. And when that got sealed off, it destroyed them. I think that's going to be fun. So we're going to create a new session, a new session planning page today. And today's date is 6 August. As always... I am using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you want to learn more about using Notion for campaign planning, you can find a link in the show notes. So today, I don't remember which players are in and out today. I think somebody's out. So I think Bart is out, which is unfortunate because I had this whole thing about Bart being kind of tied to the final icosahedron. That might change if Bart, if I, if I don't, if the player who is playing Bart is not around. Doran Greycastle, a shade fighter sorcerer, former adventurer. Uh, who died and returned and is now in the, the the very badly beaten up body of a poor fellow named Potter, now is also wearing the face of a dwarf that they got from a red hag, is seeking either, I think has decided that, I want, that he wants to return to life. He wants to go back to his former life. That, you know, he doesn't want to just go to the afterlife. He wants to return. And that was a new thing for him. I think I, think I had like a little campfire tale. Yeah, and this campfire thought was that he wants to be alive. Garble, mushroom folk rogue far traveler, uh, just slept uh, during the. We had like a campfire scene, and I, I asked them and, and did slept. But, I, you know, the, their goal is to rebuild, reestablish the mushroom folk lives uh, in a nice place. Bring his bring his people to a nice place, and this would be a nice place if they could get if they could seal the ley lines again. Mez, room select, uh, wants to kind of restore, you know, thinking of his wife and family and, and Zobek wants him not to be wiped off the face of the planet. They put him kind of in a conservative, do no harm sort of world. Still amazed by how the ley lines work and their friends are really smart. Uh, probably also wants to help Potter, you know, get back to where Potter wants to go. Sister Malarkey Jones has a rod of the pack cap, pact keeper connection to the weird weaver, embraces chaos of life and direct... Or, or direct it, secretly hopes to go back to Zobak and set up an effective LLC at taking things from Skrink and Malarkey, taking those things with no need. I don't remember what that means. But that has a big connection. And then Skrink Skibbers, Ratfolk Wizard Occultist, is living day-to-day, the survival of the moment, had kind of hoped to have a longer life, but down here feels the same thing. Is thinking of the moment when they have all four icosahedrons and closing them will take more power and to find a way to destroy it, and it might take something great, and is grateful to have something meaningful to do. So pretty neat, you know, pretty neat character character stories in here. And as we're looking at the rest of our prep, we will think about other ways that we can bring in those stories. But I think a huge another huge shift in the ley lines beneath the citadel. The yeah, dead silence in the hall. The the deep ones are now desiccated as though they died as though they died there. 
a thousand years, a hundred years. EJVC asks, how do you do the Campfire Tales again? It's a very simple idea. The idea for Campfire Tales is that you, when the characters are taking a long rest in an area where it makes sense, you ask them to, you ask them a simple question. It's a little bit like an in-game version of Stars and Wishes, where you say like, you know, what is it that you've really enjoyed and what do you want to see more of, which is, which is a question for players for Stars and Wishes for an RPG. But you can do it kind of in-game. And you say like, as you spend time sitting around the campfire, thinking about where you've come from, thinking about where you come from, where you are and where you want to go, where do your thoughts take you? And, and it could be th thoughts that they have on their own. It could be conversations they have with other characters. But the idea is like a bit of introspection, like have give each player an opportunity for a bit of character driven in introspection, where they've been, where they are, where they want to go. They can kind of bite on any piece of it. And one player could be like, my character falls asleep and snores. And you're like, cool, that's fine. They don't have to, they don't have to engage. Or that, that can be an engagement, right? That they're so relaxed with the current situation that they just go to sleep. And you don't necessarily call on everybody one at a time. You kind of see who comes in first because you don't want people to, you don't want to put people on the spot. Then as you go and as people get used to it, then you can start to call for people to make sure everybody has their time in the spotlight. So you don't, you can ask like, who would like to start? Then somebody speaks up, you say, okay, you go. And then you can, you know, who's left and you make sure everybody gets their chance and you write it down, right? You, when they give you that campfire thing, you write it down and you write it down so that you have an idea about the motivation of the character, what's driving them, where they go, things like that. Then another thing we can do is, and we're going to do this at the beginning of this session, they leveled up. So they are level, are they level eight now? I think they're level eight. Let me make sure. I'm pretty sure they are level eight. I forget though. God, I'm terrible. So what new powers did they acquire after defeating the Shogoth? What are they looking forward to using? So this is another sort of star and wish kind of conversation that after they've defeated the Shogoth, the ley lines twisted and snapped back into place and energy and power flowed through them. And they suddenly found themselves more powerful than the way they were before. And A, they leveled up. So what new features did they get on their level up? And what new what are they excited to do with their characters? Again, it's sort of a star and wish kind of question. What new features did you acquire? What are you looking forward to using? And then write it down. And you can use that for things like lightning rods. You can use that thing for other, other areas of the game. Lightning rods is the idea of setting up combat encounters that lean into the new abilities that characters have. So I'm really looking forward to blowing a bunch of people up with a fireball. Guess what? You get into a battle with a whole bunch of people that are in a perfect fireball formation. So, you, you know, that's an extreme example. But like, you know, when they have certain abilities that they're really excited to use, or like I just gained cold, re cold resistance. Okay, well, guess what? Let's have more monsters that do cold damage because it's cool to resist it. So you lean, instead of avoiding the new things they get, which is a common, a common idea, you lean into them. You, you, you show, the, you let them show off their character's cool abilities by the kind of encounters that, that, that are set up. So that's sort of a, it's cool to resist cold damage. Yeah. So scenes, we have leveling up, finding the dead deep ones, traveling to the spiders of Ling, negotiation with the spiders of Ling and then traveling below acquiring the third icosahedron traveling below dealing with the environmental chaos of the lower level closing the rift Finn so we kind of know the scenes that are coming up we're getting to that narrow part of the yam shaped adventures not a lot of choices left Closing the rift one year later. 
what happens one year after the events of the, the Scarlet Citadel and then finish. So that is pretty much it. They're not going to, this probably, this looks like at least a couple of sessions to go, but we might be done in a couple of sessions and then we have to figure out what we want to play next. I don't know. I'm not sure what we want to play next. I think we might try some Shadow Dark. Shadow Dark. We'll see. So that's good. For secrets and clues, just for fun, why don't we why don't we take a look at what secrets we had last time? See if there's anything we need. Gelta Gruesome built the Icosahedron as a way to tap the power of the Weird Weaver and makes his own luck. They learned that. Gellert is heir to the Scarlet Citadel. Last icon tore open the rift of the void. It's growing. It was the tiny prim trick just a few days ago. Now it's growing much larger, much faster. In a matter of a week or so, the rift will overtake the crossroads. We can kind of, you know, the rift beneath the scarlet is growing exponentially. They may only have a day or two left. This is that I want to control how many long rests they get. A little bit of cheatery. Left the final echosahedron at the site of the rift so that it would slow down the progress further. So the fourth echosahedron, this, this one we can, this one we can steal. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. So we got that one. Final Echosahedron doesn't really exist. It's a placebo. The real Echosahedron lives in Bart. I hope Bart shows up for that. We got that. They already know that. If the spiders become aware that the rift is growing, they'll take the third Echosahedron back with them to the twisted plateau of Lang. Lang is a forbidden plateau surrounded by hills and peaks. Its cities are places in which some claim have fallen into ruin and which others claim to have visited in living memory. Lang exists in the lost sands of the Dragon Empire to the north. Some say it reaches out. This is all good. Thousands of thralls whose minds have been twisted and they serve their otherworldly master. These are all good. This one about Brynjar did not come up because they never actually left the place. They teleported away. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven secrets and clues. What else could they learn? I mean, we're closing in on the end. Gellert is probably going to confront them again. So my funny thing that I was thinking about before is I was thinking it would be funny if the clay golem is sort of like a mech that Gellert can ride around in. He, it can like absorb him into it and then walk him down the, and it gives him like this shell of protection and underneath. And then when he comes out, he's all muddy and nasty because he's been inside a big mud, you know, a, a big clay golem. So I think that that's kind of fun. It's not really a secret. Gellert the gruesome rides around inside his nasty clay golem. Anything else that's a spider's a ling? Anything else that's going on below? We may come back. Fantastic locations we don't really need to worry about because they're in the adventure. NPCs, we no longer need to worry about the Shogoth. So we take Shogoth out of current. We have Thoas, Nightcaster, yes. Brynjar, Last Baskalag. I don't think we have to worry about Brynjar. Geralt the Gruesome, yes. Clara, probably not. So a, a few of these, Winslaw Bras, Winslaw Bras, we don't have to. And Timon is still around. So we have that. I can't, I can't remember if they're level seven or level eight. I think they cast fourth level spells. So I think they're eighth level. So the deadly benchmark, we will assume five. Five times eight is 40. Half of 40 is 20. So the benchmark is 20. They can handle about 20 CRs worth of monsters. The max CR at eight would be 12. So 12 is sort of a deadly, above 12, and it's a deadly a, de a single deadly monster. See how much easier that is than like the encounter building math that you use with other tools? It's really, really fast once you get in your head. Keep that in mind. Add up all the character levels, divide it by two, and that is about the most total, total challenge ratings of monsters that the characters can reasonably fight in a hard battle. Harder than that, and it could be potentially deadly. Easier than that, and it's easier. 
you know, fewer than that and it's easier. And then the maximum CR of any one monster is roughly 150% of the average character level. If they are, if they are level eight, 150% of that is 12. Now, can they fight things bigger than that? Yes. Will they face things bigger than that? Maybe. And, but we know what the threshold is. We, we have that little gauge that tells us, eh, you're in the red if you go over here. You're not in the red if you go over here. Works out nicely. Deep ones, we're going to remove from the holding pattern because they fought the hell out of that. Shogoth, we can remove from the holding pattern. Whoops. Ah, menu is popping up. Ghostwalk Spider, maybe go with the gruesome, maybe Deep One Archimant Archimantry. No, that is no longer in the holding pattern. Lesser Scrag, Deep One Hybrid Priest. They didn't really face the hybrid priest. Lesser Scrag, Water Leaper, Sepicacti. This is the demon, demon alligators. Drowned Maiden, Death Wisps, Greater Scrag. Spiders, the Spiders of Ling. I, probably the Spiders of Ling are the ones that they're actually going to face. So I think that's good. Now the Spiders of Ling might have some treasure. So let's generate some treasure. We will do a level three. So I had a treasure hoard that's in Gellert's. They never got it because they never killed Gellert. So I am going to steal that because I thought that was good. Like he's a tier three guy. So look at all the stuff he had. So this is the massive treasure hoard from Gellert's. So we'll, we'll say, and then we'll do another treasure hoard. Uh, this one will be a tier two. This Lazy GM's random generator is a feature of for patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to get the random generator plus a whole ton of other stuff, you can become a patron and get access to it. And we are going to, we don't have to worry about uh, tying anything to it. And what have we got? Potion of Healing, Common, Spell Scroll, Eldritch Blasts. This looks pretty good. This looks like a fun one. Normal, no more treasure hoard. That's the wrong one. And let's pick some. We will do some Vault of Magic items. Cloak of the Rat. While wearing this garment, you have a plus five bonus, your passive wisdom. That's pretty good. That's kind of a fun one. Who doesn't want better perception? Mask of the War Chief. So that's interesting. Mask of the War Chief. Uh, you can summon a cave bear. I don't know where they would get this, though. This would be like stuff they'd find with the Spiders of Ling. Blood Pearl. A creature damaged by the blade must succeed in a DC 15 charisma saving throw or be charmed until the end of its next turn. This is kind of cool. The Blade of Petals is a good one because that would be a fun one for Spiders of Ling to use. So I, I kind of like that. And it's plus two. What kind of weapon could it be? So uh, longsword? I should ask what kind of weapons they use. So that's some good treasure. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Let's take a look at the adventure itself. And let's look at the lower, the, the floor that we're going to. This would be the Howling Halls and see what the Howling Halls. I looked through it before a little bit and I looked through it before, but I don't know exactly what is going to happen where or like how they, how they navigate it. So what I can do is bring up the map. Do, do, do. It doesn't have the names on it, unfortunately. Scarlet Citadel. So that is the map. It's a way to turn the fog off. No. I think they saw this part, that's why. But I, I think what we'll do is reveal the whole thing. I think you can select it too, can't you? I guess we'll just do that. So the salt storm. So I presume, let's take a, they have the keyed map here. So 601 through 606 is that left-hand side of the map in the lower right. And it kind of goes around to 613, which is the icy part. So there's like a desert part and an icy part. And I don't know which path they're going to take. There's a couple of different doors, I think, that they can take. 
door the two doors in this level area six of four and six of seven have a big effect on the conditions here when the characters first arrive the door to four is open and door seven is closed doors are strong enough to resist the wind they can't be broken by the wind alone they're not however airtight in fact quite a bit of the air leaks around them characters might try to seal the doors by packing the gaps around with wax tar cloth blah, blah. those efforts work for a while the characters manage to leave a path of open doors behind them clear to the black river itself the wind along the path rapidly builds up into hurricane strength a character a creature along that path that's not an elemental must be successful dc 20 or be pulled 2d6 spaces towards the sphere of annihilation if the door to 604 is closed the wind through the area 601 to 605 drops to the level of a strong normal wind and visibility so which one is open 604 is currently open 607 is closed so 604 is that one on the lower left side and where's the other the other door is okay you can see how it's sealed up 607 is closed that's the one over by the icy side there's some elemental things you have ley lines multiple ley lines that pass through the region of they all intersect here like a point where outrushing rivers flow into each other the merging of the magical current cause tremendous turbulence and that can affect a wild magic surge and that surge is in deep magic i think we looked at that last time and i used it last time so we'll keep that handy for the game Salt storm. Characters wearing goggles that can, they could be blinded. And there is a salt golem. So it attacks with advantage. That's nasty. So that's kind of fun. Salt mine, dead end passage, most salt found elsewhere. Visibility, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't sound like anything really exciting happens here. There's nothing to be found here and no benefit to be gained by exploring this passage except this. A character who reaches the north wall and makes a successful DC 14 arcana or legend or, or nature check. Realize that salt and wind don't originate in this plane. They're coming from elsewhere, probably an elemental plane. No portal is apparent at the end of the passage, but there's no other mundane explanation for it. Interesting. Circle of salt is 603. I think that's the one right by the door. Maybe not. Where's 603? Oh, 603 is that bottom one. Oh, 602. Okay. Is that is that that knobby looking hall? Two salt devils look in the chamber. When the characters two more teleport to the second and third rounds of battle, one per battle. Salt devils aren't blinded by the swirling creature that steps adjacent to the doorway into 604. Must make a saving throw or be pulled 1d6 spaces towards the door in area 604. I think that may, might be fun for them to be able to negotiate with the salt devils because they carry a devil with them. Last Baskalag probably knows them. This door is open because that's the one that Gellert the Gruesome ran out of. Wind of whipping through the chamber forms a miniature cyclone. Possible to see, but the sound implies the swirling air is filled with stones and probably lost weapons and discarded pieces of armor. You can get stuck in the maelstrom straight into the void, which is 605. Conditions in this area depend on the position of the lever in the control room in 606. It's 140 degrees. Standing around this area, gaping at the... Any number of preachers can pile up in this, the starred space. As long as they're all restrained against the bars. While any living creature character occupies 605, the Sphere of Annihilation launches lightning into this area. On initiative 20, every round lightning bolt sizzles from the sphere towards the western wall. Frag rights. Cool. Control room. A lever here operates the maelstrom door in area 604, but it also opens the bars separating 605 from the Sphere of Annihilation. This can be a death sentence to characters pinned against those bars. This chamber is much calmer than the others. While the air is full, full of dust, it's not thick. Uh, 606 is where? Oh, 606 is up above. Okay, cool. Show the players the point of view. The lever can be in one of four positions. The marks indicate the four positions and whether the door and bars are open or closed when the lever is in that position. From left to right, the markers indicate bars lowered, door closed. Bars raised, door open. Bars raised, door closed. 
Bars lowered. Bars raised. Door closed. Bars lowered. Doors open. There's none. Levers in the far right position. Bars lowered. Door open. Moving the lever requires a use object. Blah, blah, blah. The lever can be moved into any position to any other without engaging the intervening positions. One mistake in this situation can result in irrevocable death for one or more characters. Probably worth mentioning that. Cool. Black Ice 607. So now we are in that great big room. Seven, eight, nine. Oh, the rooms are all over the place. Frigid Cavern is home to Ice Elemental and its brood. Only way into this chamber is to come down the steps from Zegmarsh's Horde in 506. Northern door and southern portcullis are both closed when the characters enter the cave for the first time. Burrowed into the ice are rhyme worms and rhyme worm grubs. It's very, very cold. More doors and portcullis. Bones of the Fallen. I think there's a genie down here. A black powder ghoul. That's funny. There's a ghoul that just wants to gnaw on bones, but he's very smart. That's, that's fun. Bone powder ghoul. I don't get this. Freezing trap. Wind demon's foyer. Wind demons can be something to negotiate with. Abandoned refuge. A bunch of other adventurers died here. This ledge is the only space. Where is this? So this is 611. Okay. So there is a place to rest down there. Abandoned refuge. They can rest. Elemental prison. The gin. There is a gin here. So that could be fun. For parts unknown. Deeper into the bowels of Midgard. It goes far deeper. And finally, the Void of Annihilation, which is a great big sphere of annihilation that throws fragrites around and is a, has a voidling inside of it. And a three-page three page description. All right. Yeah, I feel like I've got enough of a handle to be able to figure this stuff out. The doors are probably the most complicated thing, but it could be it could be fun. Friends, I want to thank you all for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my role-playing game. If you like this show and you want more material like this, the best way to follow the work that I do, if you want to know, Mike, somebody asked us earlier, Mike, how? what's the best way? How do we stay in contact with you? How do we learn what you've got? The best way by far is to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. Every week, you get a weekly RPG-related email. At the bottom of that email are links to all of the YouTube videos I do, podcasts that I do, D&D tips that I do every day, all kinds of stuff that are all consolidated in that one one weekly newsletter. You also get a free adventure generator PDF and it is absolutely free to sign up for that. You can also, if you want more material like this, if you want to talk to other members of our awesome lazy DM community, you can join the Sly Flourish Patreon. Patrons get access to a dedicated Discord server, a monthly Q&A, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, which are like books of like small house rules you can use or tools to help you run your games. The City of Arches Sourcebook, a great big city sourcebook that I'm working on and a whole lot more dedicated adventures, all kinds of things. And you can pick up my books, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, which has the eight steps that I've been using in order to go through my, my, my game prep. The Lazy DM's Companion, which offers a whole bunch of different tools and options and random tables to help you flesh out your RPG, your, your, your 5e games. And the Lazy DM's Workbook, which is essentially a DM screen you put right in front of you. You lay it out flat and you use it to help you run your games and improvise things as you need them. All of those are available in the Sly Flourish Bookstore, which you can find in the links of this show. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.